Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I am joined, as always, by the bad Amajama, Carrie Smith. Carrie. You didn't say, say hi. <laughs> hi, guys. You don't have to say hi. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Hello. We're not totalitarian here, Carrie. Hey. Uh, so, uh, Thank you. First of all, thank you, everyone. There's, we've had a lot of people sharing the show, and we've been growing fast. I know we're, we're still really small, but it was not that long ago that I was happy that I had uh, double-digit subscribers on YouTube. So um, we are, we're growing really, really fast, and it's because people are sharing, and I uh, really appreciate it. We are at, um, we changed our URL. Our URL is unsafespace.co. There's no M. It's not com, because M stands for Marxism, and who needs that? Um, so it's unsafespace.co, and our Twitter handle is unsafespaceco. Uh, so you can follow us there. Also, we have a Facebook page for Deprogrammed, which is this show, and Unsafe Space generally. I don't know what else, Carrie. Probably some other stuff. But those are the. Oh, you can podcast this stuff. You can look for Unsafe Space on any podcast app and find it. Mm -hmm. So um, we have a good topic wanna... today. This is a fun topic. Hi, Jason. Jason's the first one, and he says hi to Carrie, though, so I don't have to hi, say hi Jason. back to him. I'm going <laughs> to say hi to him anyway. Um, I want to show this poster because this is the so. Our topic today um, is basically propaganda and media manipulation, and it's in, partly inspired by the release of Hoaxed, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is a Mike Cernovich documentary. Awesome, awesome documentary, but. I found this cover art and uh, that we used for the the title still for this show and the cover art as a story. I want to show the cover art um, because all of us, like Carrie and I, are both fascinated by this. The real I was fascinated that this was real. It's yeah, crazy. I couldn't believe it was real. So uh, here it is. Hopefully, everyone can see the cover art. Um, so. This was, so it's two plus two is five. And there's actually this, the slogan here in, in Russian says arithmetic of an alternative plan, two plus two plus the enthusiasm of the workers equals five. <laughs> um, is what I'm told. I don't, I don't speak Russian. Um, but this was an actual poster. So um, for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, the Soviet Union's history, I'm not super familiar, but in, um, in Stalinist, uh, in Stalinist Russia or Stalinist Soviet Union, um, there was, uh, they had these five-year plans. And um, Stalin was doing well, I guess he thought he was doing well with his first plan or, or whatever. And so this propagandist, uh, Yakov Guminer, I don't know how to pronounce it, G-U-M-I-N-E-R, he made this campaign poster in 1931, uh, two plus two is five, to kind of celebrate uh, Stalin's, um, Stalin's, uh, five-year plan. So, uh, I, I thought this was fascinating. Um, there's actually about five-year plans. Just one of my favorite old movies is a movie called Ninochka. And there's a great line in it where, uh, a Westerner is talking to someone from the USSR. He says, comrade, I've been fascinated by your five-year plan for the last 15 years. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I just, uh, I love it. So, there's some question about whether Orwell was actually referring to this or was referring to, uh, there's some, uh, I guess some, some Nazi guy who said, if the Fuhrer wants it, two plus two make five. So there's some 
not clarity about what Orwell was referring to when he talked about two plus two is four in his book, 1984. Well, that's what blew me away about this Sorry. poster was because I thought, I thought you, I thought it was just something that was referencing Orwell. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, that's a real right. poster. <laughs> yeah, no, Orwell um, was referencing this. That's what, yeah. what I've read is most like, uh, I guess Orwell experts think that he was actually referencing uh, this this particular slogan by this guy in the Soviet Union. So um, fascinating. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, let's get to let's get to the meat of the show. Um, the topic here was really uh, inspired by the release of the movie Hoaxed, which came out. I think it was last week by Cernovich. You can go to I think it's hoaxmovie.com. You can get it on Vimeo. Um, I. I I mean I highly recommend it. It's not a it's not a movie for Cernovich fans. Um, it's, it's a, a movie, movie for, for everyone. Everyone. Here's the thing about this movie. I was blown away. It's it's uh, the the not just with what he's talking about in the subject matter, but with the quality of the direction and it's stylistically beautiful. And he manages to bring together, they bring together these, this, this sort of meta, this thing that's really hard to talk about, like how the fake news, how the mainstream media news is related to ideology and how that's related to like, historically, they bring it back to communism and they weave it together in a way that makes it more understandable. Cause sometimes when you talk about all these big issues, as you know, people are like, Oh, you're just a conspiracy nut, or <laughs> you believe yeah. what you know, or how are you tracing this? Especially if they don't know a lot about history, which a lot of people don't. We're not learning what we should be learning in schools, or if they don't, they don't know a lot about um, about Marxism, even if that is the ideology to which they subscribe. A lot of people don't realize that's what they're they're um, pushing. They think they're pushing yeah. liberalism. So anyway, I think he did, he did a really great job of making these things understandable and. Um, I was. I said. I don't. I'm not being hyperbolic. I think it might be the most important film of my lifetime. So <laughs> that's it, not. No, that's it not, is. It is. I'm not saying that lightly. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's an awesome, awesome film. And um, yeah. I, he just. They did an excellent job, and it's worth. It's worth watching, and it's not. Um, it's not Cernovich propaganda. Like he throws himself under the bus, kind of at the beginning of the yeah. movie, in sort of a way, like. Look, this is what this is what it's like, um, and so it's it's honest, which I really I really appreciate it. So you know, this we'll talk more about hoax probably on another episode later. So we don't want to focus on the movie itself wait, wait. too much. But I do want to say something about no. it. Wait, wait, I do, do have to say something, okay. just a little bit, because here's the thing: in conversations after this movie came out, or I immediately even like you guys, everybody needs to watch this, right? Let me know what you think, so we can have a discussion. And immediately, the amount of uh, pushback I got from liberal friends of mine was, it was just over the top. It's this, this reticence to even watch it. And people trying to have long, threaded conversations with me on Facebook about Cernovich himself or um, about why they don't want to watch it. And I'm like, that's boring. I don't want to talk to you for a day back and forth about why you're not going to watch it. Just... It, I don't care what you think of him and I'm not interested in, in defeating whatever the media has told you about him, but just watch the documentary and let's have a conversation about that. But anyway, my, the, their refusal to even engage with it is sort of proves the point of, of what one of the things he's pointing out in the documentary, which is that the mainstream media 
and the SJW media, they do a really good job of making certain people, certain thought leaders, um, certain wrong thinkers radioactive. And they do it to varying degrees. It's easier for them to do it to some people than others. So like, for example, it's, it's really easy for them to do it to Alex Jones. <laughs> you know, they can pull all kinds of quotes out of context or in context, um, but they can make these different people radioactive. And so someone like Alex Jones, maybe Cernovich, and, and some are radioactive to a lesser degree, like Ben Shapiro's or Peterson's or Cassie J or what have you. But what they do is they tell you what to think about these people. They tell you that these people are horrible, bad people. And then you believe it to such a degree that you won't even, you don't even trust yourself to watch a film or read a book or listen to a lecture and then decide what you think. Um, and that's how they keep you from engaging with anything that goes against the narrative. It's like, I don't understand that anymore. I used to do that. I used to believe what they said and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even listen to Ben Shapiro because <laughs> I thought, I, I thought Louder Crowder was a misogynist and a I Jewish never Nazi. watched it. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but they keep, yeah, I mean, so this is called the genetic fallacy for people that yeah. don't know. And it's, and it's, uh, it's basically discrediting an argument based on the source of the argument. And so, um, you should be aware of that. If someone's, if someone is using the genetic fallacy and basically saying, well, so-and-so said it, therefore you can completely dismiss it. Um, that's actually all the more reason to go listen to whatever so-and-so said, because, um, they're not addressing the argument. They're just dismissing it based on the source and, uh. And I see and that happen all the time thousand. on the left. I'm sure it happens on the right as well. In fact, I've had some conservatives tell me that it happens on the right that, you know, they'll they'll say, well, that's in Salon. I'm not going to read it. Um, but I'm not on the right, so I, I don't see that as often. But I see on the left all the time. People are like, oh, Breitbart, pff, you know, like, yeah, what do right. you think of the article? And here's right. the thing. One other thing about the doc that I just want to point out, um, it was something Lauren Southern said, which I've been – exactly, this is, is something I've been trying to – trying to express for a year or so to people who um, commit genetic fallacy, which is I would much rather read a Breitbart, which tells me their point of view outright or Daily Wire or what have you. Or they tell me this is from a conservative point of view. If you go to their About Us page, they tell you that. They're honest about it. Um, then to read BuzzFeed, if you go to BuzzFeed's About Us page, just compare their About Us page to Breitbart's. Breitbart tells you up front. BuzzFeed doesn't. They're liars. Right. <laughs> like they're liars. They're pretending to be non-biased. And so um anyway, I'm going on a rant here, but no, no, absolutely. I, I just so, I really hate it when people don't engage with the source material. They're just like, oh, I'm not gonna watch it, and here's why. And I know everything about it without having watched it or read it. Yep. Yep. So so let's so let's dive in here a little bit, Carrie, because okay. um it is important to talk to people about the fact that you are being you are being lied to by the mainstream media. I mean other people too, but the mainstream media is the is the, the gorilla in the room or elephant in the room or whatever. Um, so you are being lied to them. Um, and that, that can sound conspiratorial. Um, but uh, first of all, conspiratorial doesn't make it false. Uh, and second of all, I, I'm actually, I, I don't know about Carrie, I'm not making an argument that there's a, a vast uh, smoky room conspiracy necessarily here. Um, but it is important to understand what's going on. And also the situation isn't actually hopeless. So uh, I know a lot of people get overwhelmed when you're like, well, if I'm being lied to, like, fuck it, I just want to go uh, smoke pot and play video games and and go away because, I, you know, there's there's no way to get the truth and there's no way to fight it. And that's not true. There There is um, there is a way to fight it. Hope is not, all's not lost. But this isn't new. And the thing that struck me is, and I'm, we're going to play some clips here in a minute, but the thing that struck me is we tend to think of propaganda 
as inherently a government activity. Um, we think of it as governments like the Nazi government or the, the Soviet Union um, producing propaganda. But that's not necessarily the case. Propaganda can be, I mean, it can be, uh, it can be done by regular people. It can be done by mainstream media in a relatively free market. It's, it's not necessarily uh, government writing pamphlets. Um, propaganda is a lot more than that. And I think it's important. I kind of want to back up because there is this, uh, I think we need to look at how propaganda works before we can then uh, see, see it today and where it is today. And there's a guy called uh, Yuri Bezmenov, which I'm going to play some clips of him. If, if we want to see how propaganda works, um, one of the things to do is to look at uh, cases in which it was used successfully over and over. And one of the, and you know, a, a great place, a great source for that is the Soviet Union. And the former Soviet Union used propagandistic techniques all the time to help topple regimes and or, or change governments in you know Eastern Europe, South uh, um, South America, Asia, all over the world. And they did it successfully quite often. And so I'm going to play a clip next of this guy. His name is Yuri uh, Bezmenov. He also uh, uh, he's a defector, former KGB. Uh, he used to used to work for the KGB, um, and he defected. And uh, he has a he has a, an American named Thomas Schumann. But uh, again, he's a former uh, former KGB officer, and he was in charge of the KGB process. He he worked on subversion for the KGB, which. Um, which he will describe a little bit here, but I, I want to play this clip because I want to I want to set the stage so we can kind of wrap our heads around um, really what what works in propaganda and and this is someone who spent his career uh, and and had a lot of resources from a large government specifically to propagandize and change public sentiment in in target nations. So I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a Yuri clip here, uh, and. Uh, and then we'll chat about it. So let's see. I hope this I like is you the said right one. before the podcast. You said you went down a, a rat hole. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> there's hours and hours of Yuri stuff. Uh, yes, I, I have. He's fascinating. He wrote this like little book that I started reading last night. I was up late. Re it's awesome. It's called World Thought Police. Uh, I mean, he died uh, in '93, so this is older stuff. But okay, um, uh, here we go. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears open up their eyes and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. Only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion 
or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Okay, so that was uh, that mm -hmm. was the first clip about Yuri kind of giving a background what what he means by ideological subversion, and he talks about these four stages um, uh, that are used in the process, and they are demoralization, uh, destabilization, uh, crisis, and normalization, and um, and he. Well, we're gonna. I want to get into actually a little bit about the demoralization process um, because. We're maybe now in destabilization, and from what I can tell, uh, actually the Soviet Union did use these techniques against the U.S. quite um, quite effectively. But the Soviet Union collapsed before it got to any of the the later stage, like crisis parts of their their plan. So um, I think we kind of got abandoned at the kind of the end of the demoralization phase, sort of, and we've kind of been kicking along, you know, kind of puttering along ourselves that way, but. So, so those are the four, those are the four, um, are you going to just a quick question? Are you going to play the part about how he says, cause it, I forget when this interview was, but he says that, um, you know, we're in the demoralization stage now. And he said it yeah. takes about 20 years or 15 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Years. I'm going to okay. play that. I'm going to play that. We're going to, we're going to focus. So that's the, the next clip is just focused on demoralization. But before we get there, a couple of things, he did point out that, um, I know a lot of, you know, Sun Tzu, he wrote the art, the art of war, like I think 2,500 BC, um, ancient, uh, Chinese, um, uh, writer and um you know sun tzu's uh argument he i he he's yuri credits sun tzu with it uh kind of formulating this concept of subversion and saying look look if you want to beat the enemy the the most inefficient stupid way to do it is to go invade them right it's better to use basically uh subversion techniques to get them to like want you to be their masters in some way um to get them to destroy their own to culture. destroy themselves yeah yeah, and he talks about um, he and this is very important because we're going to move this out of the the kind of government attacking us context into um, what the mainstream media is doing now. He talks about subversion is for subversion to work for it to be necessary. The population at large has to be responsive. It's a two way street, and he talks about why it didn't work in Japan, right? And he says like if you show up in Japan um, trying to introduce your culture. They kick you out. They used to. I mean, now it's different. But he's, he's talking about a kind of pre-World War II Japan. They were very isolated. Um, but that didn't happen in the U.S. And he talks about the, the Soviet Union. They, they were allowed to come into the U.S. and say anything they want, right? Um, and so he says you cannot subvert an enemy who does not want to be subverted. And he talks specifically. We'll talk about this later. He talks specifically about how getting the enemy to do it to themselves um, and and before I play the this other clip here, Carrie, you'd be interested in this. He used this phrase. I didn't use this clip because there's not a lot of other stuff around it that was necessary for us to listen to right now. But mm -hmm. he says he calls social justice introduced by Marxist Leninism, right? Oh yeah, I heard him say that before. Yes, 
Yes. So social justice, according to this KGB guy, introduced by Marxist Lenin, like that concept was intentionally introduced, mm -hmm. um, which is fascinating. The other thing I want to point out is that when he talks about demor demoralization, because remember, English isn't his um, first language. From, from what I can tell, um, he really means um, not like demoralize, like you feel bad about yourself. I think he means like destroying the moral fabric, like um, anti, like attacking the moral fabric. Like it's a philosophical destruction, right? It's not just, he's not, he's not talking about building a particular system. He's talking only about um, destroying the, the philosophical and cultural values of a culture. Which through funny this process enough, of demoralization. Right, but funny enough, which makes everyone feel bad about themselves. <laughs> so Yes, of course it does. Yeah, yes, yes. So all right, so let's listen to the second Yuri clip. This will be the last Yuri clip, so don't worry, we won't play too much. But this is another great clip. So here we go. Yes. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid of society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of, the, uh, of the United States society. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually, it's overfulfilled because demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. Okay, so, so that's Yuri talking about uh, demoralization. Okay, so a couple things. Just you know how we've talked. We've talked about this podcast a lot about how SJW ideology has infiltrated into not just academia. It's beyond academia. It's in mm -hmm. it's in tech. It's in. He's uh, got a list: religion, education system, social life, administration, law enforcement, and labor relations. Those are the the six that he lists. Right. So we've talked yep. about this before, and the church being one of the most fascinating ones to me yep. right now because it's currently working its way through the church. Um, but uh, it's funny because to bring it back to hoax for a second, I rewatched part of it last night and uh, there's a part where he's got someone on talking about in the 60s, which is around the time that uh, Yuri's talking about um, uh, SDS, the Students for Democratic Society, 
how they they had a book, just like you sat down and read the Antifa handbook. They had a book about how they wanted to, this list of things they wanted to do. And it's like, we are going to infiltrate. And just a quick, I, don't, I didn't write down everything, but on their list, but it was the media, academia, science, art and architecture, uh, the clergy and ministry was on their list. We're going to infiltrate it and we're going to replace capitalism with socialism. Um, yep. So this stuff that we're talking about, let's just point that out. Yuri pointing out the SDS stuff and the hoax. It's, it's that's what we're talking about when we say SJW convergence is this belief system has taken root in all of these different institutions because people are being told in college, the people who are being indoctrinated like I was are being told that um, that they should be an activist first. They're not that college isn't really about learning as much as it is about um becoming someone who goes out and preaches this belief system in whatever field you end up in. And it's your responsibility to change the world by taking this ideology there. That's why you see elementary school teachers pushing this stuff now because they were indoctrinated with it. You see it in the media, you see journalists, and, and it relates back to what we're going to talk about with the media because a ton of my friends um, who, you know, my uh, people of my cohorts or what have you, um, they went on, they went on to work in the media and journalism. And yep. um, they're not just op-ed writers. They're writing the news. <laughs> they're, they're reporting the news, but they're doing it from this um, ideological perspective. So, right. No, absolutely. And, and he, you know, he talks a lot about um, basically in a free society, there's always people that oppose the, the current, uh, state of things and 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 there's always going to be people that oppose the freedoms and he basically talked about finding a time when a few of those things are aligned and not doing it themselves but like like just giving them a little bit of nudge and letting the americans do it to themselves yes. right and um in fact when he even when he gets to the destabilization phase phase which we're not going to talk about too much but that's the next phase phase he says explicitly he says don't blow up the bridges let them do it to themselves right you like You've, you've set this culture in motion where like, um, so, you know, you hear about Soviet sleeper agents, they become active during the destabilization phase, but all they do is kind of lead and, um, and kind of instigate and agitate. They don't actually blow up the bridges. They like let people do it themselves. Um, yeah. Oh, so it's, well, it's totally fascinating. Well, look at what happened in this last election. What, what did they uncover with this big, uh, what the nothing burger of the Russia thing. They uncovered that Russia was uh, um, creating Facebook events and creating opposing Facebook groups uh, where they would have, they, they were basically just playing on a polarization that already existed. So, and even after the election, like they were creating events, like they were creating resist marches. Michael Moore went to one of the, the resist marches that was created by Russian trolls. So they were, the, even with that, it's like they're, it, let us destroy ourselves from within. Like they're pushing on existing tensions and existing polarizations so that um, you just have people, you just have us going at each other's throats. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of examples in, in hoaxed about how this is happening and how um, we are kind of in a, a situation where we're being lied to and there is a lot of propaganda, but um, I feel like maybe we should talk a little bit more about um, how it works and some examples just to kind of clarify for, for people who maybe don't see all of it. Uh, I just made a list of some kind of things that I've noticed. Um, you know, one thing they'll do is they will, um, they'll frame, so framing the narrative is a common thing that is actually talked about a lot in hoax, right? Um, 
but uh, the example for me, which I don't think is talked about too much in hoax, uh, one of my favorite examples is the Trump-Russia collusion stuff, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, it's literal conspiracy, like not conspiracy theory, like it's like crazy conspiracy theory level linkage of things together. Um, it's it's uh, it's a really weakly constructed uh, interlinking of of events to try and create this Russian collusion narrative. Um, and and the, and the weeks the the links are so weak that you know you have people like Project Veritas. Um, going in and like catching these these mainstream people saying like yeah Russia's a big nothing burger right we don't but they don't care um and you know links that were that weak if if it didn't support their narrative would be dismissed out of hand and laughed and and actually uh you know they make fun of Alex Jones for being a conspiracy theorist but he's got more credible evidence for a lot of the things he talks about than the Trump Russia collusion crap that gets pushed <laughs> um but but they push it because it, it it's it's their narrative. So that's that's an example. Um, I've got a few examples of uh, I've got a few examples on Trump for one of what I would say is context dropping. So another thing they do is they um, they'll take things out of context and just totally um, all the time. Uh, yeah. And so one of the famous ones is the Mexicans are rapists comment, which I have a clip of if anyone wants to. Should I play that clip or no? Play the, okay, I was just talking about that with a friend this morning. Uh, this is in hoax as well, and I like that Cernovich addressed this because so during the election, I was definitely still in my echo chamber, mostly SJW echo chamber on the left, and I heard this, and I believed it. I'm like, oh, Trump is a racist, yeah, because he said Mexicans are rapists. I never watched it in context, and if you do, it's it's exactly what they do. They tell you what he said, and then in hoax makes the point of they um, they don't only take him out of context, then they start taking each other out of context. So then you have another journalist who takes that um, that quote out of context, and then further expands on it until this it's like playing a game of telephone, and at the yeah. end you're getting something that's completely different and garbled than what the person was saying. Yeah, um, they do a great job of explaining yeah. that in the movie, right? Because it's it is it starts out with like, oh, he said that some of them are rapists that are Im immigrants. Some immigrants are rapists, and then it turns to like he said immigrants are rapists, and then it turns he said Mexicans are rapists, and then it turns into he said all Mexicans are rapists, and it's like it's so yeah. far removed from the truth. So here's the truth of what he actually said, just for context. Well, Thirteen gang member I know about. If they don't reach a special, certain threshold, I cannot tell ICE about them. Yeah. We have people coming into the country, trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them, but we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad. Wait, wait, sorry. That's not the right one, is it? That's the wrong quote. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, here's the right one. I apologize. The U.S. has become a dumping ground for everybody else's problems. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. And these are the best and the finest. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. 
Okay, so so that's the context, right? He's talking about people coming in um, and they're not sending their best, right? So some of them are good people, he assumes, but some of them are not their best and some of them are rapists and whatever. So, um, so that turns into, let's see if we can find a good, uh, that turns into things like, uh, let's see, how about this? So this is, uh, this is the Miami New Times. I chose this one just because there's a lot of them are buried, but this is right in the headlines, right? Univision drops Miss Universe after Donald Trump calls Mexicans rapists. Okay, so he calls, and there's actually some that say he calls all Mexicans rapists, but not in the title, so which is why I'm not showing that. But then um, it's not like they learned their lesson because even recently uh, we get, let's see if I can even, oh, I don't think I have this one queued up. Um, but even recently, CNN had another um, had had another article that basically said, uh, "Oh, he he uh, he did it again." He it, I think their article headline said, "Like, oh, Trump basically called all Mexicans rapists again." Was this about like, MS13 when he was talking no, about MS13? Oh, no, okay. that's different. This is just like they just. They, I guess he, the other day he said, oh, he, the other day he was talking about um, how on the journey into America, if you're going through, uh, you know, if you're, you're using coyotes or whatever, and you're trying to sneak into America, um, there's a high probability if you're uh, a woman that you'll be raped um, because the kind of people that you hire to help do those kind of illegal things generally aren't the best actor. So he started to talk about that. And of course, CNN, I, I sorry, I screwed up. I don't, I don't worry that. Um, Images, but CNN basically had uh, a headline that was, you know, um, here I'll read it. The headline is Trump basically called Mexicans rapists again, right? It's like, well, he didn't really call Mexicans rapists the first time, but uh, yeah, here we are. But, right? but it becomes common knowledge, and that's that's kind of what he was pointing out is now you have people who just um, will will list that in a litany of other things that aren't true either, but they, they assume that this is just fact now, that we all agree that this is common knowledge, and it's not. And nobody takes the time to go back and look at that quote in context and see what he was actually saying. Um, and they do this on purpose because they are selling a narrative. They, I've, I've noticed that whenever they're, um, they'll tell you about a video or something, they won't include the video. They'll tell you what right. the person said in the video. Right. I'm like, this why can't I watch it, the video? This is what happened, but we're not gonna show you the video. Yeah, I have to go yeah. and look for the link because I wanna view it for myself. Um, yeah. Very recently, just one other quick thing with Trump that where I, I felt like, um, oh my gosh, this is so obvious what they're doing was with the uh, the Jim Acosta thing where he, the, the woman tried to take the microphone from him because his time was up and he mm. jerks and he pushed her arm down a little bit. And, and then it became this big thing that because Trump retweeted, uh, or was it Trump that retweeted it or was it um, Sa uh, Huckabee Sanders? Anyway, somebody retweeted. Sanders, yeah, she retweeted Paul Joseph Watson and they're all like, oh, he doctored, he doctored. And I had to talk, I was talking with leftists about this for days and like, he didn't doctor it. He zoomed in and, and regardless, like watch the watch the video. Don't, you don't have to watch his version. Watch it live. Uh, you know, pull up C-SPAN or whatever. Look at their clip. He clearly pushes her arm down. I don't care if you call what you call that. It's not. I wouldn't call it attacking her or whatever. Right, it's not egregious, but it is. It is. Physically but he pushed her arm down. Her. And you know what, Carrie? That's one that even I fell victim to because um, I was trying to be like very 
biased, uh, unbiased and, and objective. And, and I saw the video and I was like, it certainly looks like you pushed your hand down. But then they accused Paul Joseph Watson of um, doctoring the video. And I read a thing about how to how you can see it for yourself. So I loaded the video into Photoshop and I followed the directions and I was like, oh yeah, sure enough, it looks like sped up here or slowed down here or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then as it turns out, um, that was just like, so when you do video conversions, you like frame rates change. The frame rate changes. Yes, exactly. It's, and, I, and I was like, oh yeah, duh. I was like, I'm a technical guy for years. And I'm like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. It's just a frame rate difference. And, and, and really the thing that matters isn't, you know, if you have to load it into Photoshop and try and see that these frames are slightly different or whatever, uh, you're missing the point. The point is like, did the Paul w Joseph Watson video feel any different than the than, than the, the normal one? No, no. they it's both the felt exactly the same. So <laughs> there was no nothing accomplished. Even you if he like moved some frames around, which he didn't, which he didn't do. But even if he didn't do it's anything. the same thing, he pushed her arm down. That's it. Who cares? But they care because they they desperately needed to change the narrative and they needed to change what people they needed to tell people on the left what to talk about after that, and and it worked because then all of my friends on the left are telling me doctor video doctor video doctor video and i'm like what where did this come from like right. what what right. they they got effectively it's like they pull a string and then the puppets go out and they're like here's what we have to say and i don't mean to just i don't mean to call my friends look i fall for this stuff too all the time i'm not calling them <laughs> look, i fall for it all the time as well you know that's why now i try to take my time before i say something like with this latest what looks like it might turn out to be a hate crime hoax I haven't commented on it yet. I've retweeted a couple of people, but I wanted to wait and see what happens because um, immediately, it, what's this guy's name? Uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't watch whatever show he's on. Um, so supposedly, yeah. can I can I outline this just quickly? <laughs> I know I'm getting yeah, a little Yeah, go ahead. Back, it's, it's something I it's haven't spoken events. about specifically because I don't know what the hell's going on. So I just kept my mouth shut on it. So for people on the left, this... You, you may not, this may be news to you because again, it doesn't get reported in our echo chambers, but there have been a ton of hate crime hoaxes since Trump was elected. Um, and there's you actually, actually sent me a whole list, Carrie. Oh, there's I, there's a list. like 10 there's or 11 a, in one list you sent me, another 10 in another list oh, you sent me. It's like a whole bunch should, of them. We should post a list of them. There's, there's maybe three or four different women who claim that Trump supporters tried to rip their hijabs off only to yep. find out they were lying. One of them is being prosecuted for lying to the police. Um, there's all these examples of the, it's like, and here's what happens. The mainstream media runs with the original story. They're like, oh, look, someone spray painted a swastika here. And then everyone who shares it and they're like, we're living in Trump's America. And this is, and then, then they come out with a very small retraction or a correction to the story later. Like, oh, this was, uh, this was a hoax. This was perpetrated by a leftist or what have you. Um, there's uh there was the one that happened was it the Air Force right. Academy or something where somebody had written something racist and it turned out it was it was um it was it the was black... the guy who complained that there was racist yes. slurs in his yeah yeah so people are making up these hate crime hoaxes to it's almost like if there's no evidence of what you said was going to happen, which is that once Trump gets elected, he's a demagogue and it's going to be this incredibly intolerant, horror, horrific, racist, homophobic society. Well, then if that's not happening, you have to create the evidence. And so there are people out there creating the evidence, <laughs> creating the stories, then getting caught 
And then when the mainstream media uh, does the corrective stories, nobody shares them. Everyone in my echo chamber shares the original story. And by by this time, I've started to put the brakes on like, wait, that sounds kind of fake. Let's wait and see. I don't want to call it fake until I get more info. How about we just zip our mouths until we get more info, right? But no. So this Jesse Smollett story comes out and immediately what happens? Journalists, celebrities, politicians, a ACO or AOs, what's her name? Um, uh, Andrew, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You really don't want to know anything about her. I, I admire that about you. <laughs> I've done a good job of not knowing anything yeah, about you've been, you've been but beautifully I know, ignorant of AOC. I do know that she some, somehow somebody retweeted her. It was in my feed. She immediately was, one, politicians immediately, they're retweeting the story as if it's true. Um, professional SJWs like, uh, uh, oh gosh, I know this comic, uh, Francesca, I'm blanking her name. Um, she's the one that did the video shit white girls say or what have you. Anyway, so she's posting it immediately. And they're all, they're all what they always do. Oh, this is evidence in Trump's America, homophobia, racism, et cetera, et cetera. They don't wait to get the facts. And so now a right. few days later, it looks like it's looking kind of sketchy. You know, he says that he was um, leaving a Subway restaurant at 2 a.m. in Chicago and that two uh, white Trump supporters wearing ski masks approached him and, um, used homophobic and racist slurs and and recognized him as that actor from Empire, which I'm like, I don't know any Trump supporters. So I didn't even, I don't know anybody that watches Empire. <laughs> I don't think Trump supporters watch Empire, right? Why, why would they recognize him? But so they, they recognized him and they put a rope around his neck and put bleach on him. And then as they ran away, they yelled, this is MAGA country. So it just, Again, if this happens, I mean, on the surface, horrible. it sounds ridiculous. First of all, it's Chicago, it sounds which is not mega country. Second of all, who carries country. a noose and bleach around waiting for an actor from what's the name of the show? Empire. Empire. And to, the to come around. Like, now, maybe it's true. There are racist, horrible people, but if like, it's true. It's horrible. But just wait and find out, right? Like just because right. somebody makes an allegation. And the other weird part of it was that like eight days prior or something, he he had supposedly received on set. And I saw a photo of this, some kind of letter where, so, you know, like like in the movies, people cut the letters out of a magazine and it said it was a threat. Like you you will die black, you know, F word. And, it, and then, and it was the return address was MAGA. You can say the word fag. It's fine. I, uh, fag. But, and it, the return a, address, you know, the return address was MAGA. That's what it said. Yep. But MAGA, like what, what, who does that? And so, right. and, so it, that, and it looked like it was written by a five-year-old. I mean, it was, it really looked insane. Yeah. But so, so to catch you up with what's happened, cause I don't know if you've seen the latest. So that's fishy. Like why would he get that eight days before? And anyway, um, his manager claimed to have been on the phone with him at the time and heard him say, heard the people say, this is MAGA country. Um, but as of this morning, I saw a reporter say that he's confirmed with two Chicago police detectives that the manager and the actor will not turn over their phone records to prove that that's the case. And that also when the police showed up, he was still wearing the rope around his neck, like 45 minutes later, or however long later it took for them to get there. And right. he told them to turn their cameras off. And, and they can't find any video footage of anything. And they also yeah. certain they found video footage of him at the subway and leaving the subway, and they found footage of him walking home, but they haven't found any footage of this attack. And so it right. is looking fishy. Or the people. Or the people. So I don't, I don't again wait to get the facts. I'm not declaring this to be a hate crime hoax, but just based on the fact that there have been so many of these, um, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't think it doesn't seem likely that's what he said was going on there. Maybe something happened to him. And this is the story he wanted to tell instead for whatever reason. I don't know, but I, it just doesn't, 
it, it seems more plausible that something else happened. And um, but we're getting to watch this unfold in real time. And instead of people saying, wait, let's get all the facts before we run with this, people are running with it like they always do because it fits their meta narrative. Now, on the other hand, it, it's like they learn nothing from the Covington Catholic kids thing. They, they, they're like, oh, we've learned our lesson. We should wait and get the full story. No, they didn't. Same old people, journalists, celebrities right. um, going out and pushing it immediately as if this is truth. Um, yep. Yep. On the other so, hand, one quick thing, this guy uh, in Oregon, who's an Antifa member, went to his kid's school. He's in a custody dispute with his ex-wife, went to his kid's school uh, caused a disturbance. The police came to arrest him. He pulled a nine millimeter handgun on them and fired off two shots and they killed this guy. Um, and that barely gets- They basically nobody. had better aim. That's the that's the crime. That's the, the but yeah, but the point is like the mainstream media is not doing wall-to-wall -wall coverage about that story. Why not? Like mm -hmm. ask yourself, why do they do wall-to-wall -wall co coverage about stuff like the Covington kids, but they're not gonna tell you about this Antifa guy who took a gun to his kid's school and why not? Like, why isn't that a story that they, they just pick and choose right. if it fits their narrative, they go with it. And if it doesn't, they ignore it. Right. So, so let's actually go through some, so, um, you know, that's one of the things that the media does, right. They choose what to talk about and what not to talk about. So they'll, um, they'll obviously they'll cherry pick stories that, um, that they like that, uh, fit their narrative. They'll ignore stories that don't fit their narrative. They'll misrepresent statistical anomalies as normal. So this is something that they'll like. They'll, they'll take something that's unusual and then like present it as if this is normal. And they'll do the reverse where they uh, present statistically likely stories as like very unusual stories. Um, and um, they'll also, you know, I don't want to play the, you know, we've played a lot of clips. I don't want to play the other, the, the Trump saying uh, they're animals uh, a clip, but, it, you know, they'll misconstrue things, right? Which is, you know, Trump has this press conference or this, yeah, press conference with a, uh, um, an officer of the law talking about MS-13, and he says, these are animals, and then, you know, what does USA Today say about it? Like, how do people, how do people take that? Well, let's take a look. Uh, here is the USA Today headline. The USA Today headline is, uh, Trump ramps up rhetoric on undocumented immigrants. These aren't people, these are animals. Is that what he was talking about? No. Do they care? No. Um, they another thing they do i just have a list of things that they do so you can watch look out for it um they use language that presupposes ideological uh, agreement with them so a, a classic example is they adopt sjw language they start using words like toxic masculinity which is an sjw concept it's not yes. part of normal mainstream narrative you know carrie and i don't have conversations about toxic well we do but <laughs> we, we wouldn't normally right <laughs> People don't normally talk about toxic masculinity. It's not a thing. It's a thing that's created, right? It's it's a new term. They they talk about intersectionality. They use terms from social justice as if they're normal. Hillary um, Clinton during the campaign used the term implicit bias. That's SJW speak. Yeah. Um, they also um, label people interesting. So this is one that may trigger a bunch of people, but you know they call him Nelson Mandela was called the freedom fighter, right? And look, apartheid was horrible. In many ways, you can say he was a quote freedom fighter because he he did oppose a horrible apartheid state, but he was the leader of a terrorist organization that was responsible for a number of bombings. He refused to denounce violence. He uh, he was a communist. Uh, he worshipped communist dictators, including people like Fidel Castro, all around the world. Freedom fighter is not the first term that I would use to describe the guy, but 
Um, it fits their narrative to make him look great because he's fighting. Granted, he is fighting. He was fighting something horrible, um, but he himself wasn't a saint. Um, but you, you know, but they'll call him a freedom fighter, or they will, or even in culture, will wear shirts with Che Guevara on the shirts. Che Guevara shot homosexuals for fun. He was a racist. He was a um, like bloodthirsty mass murderer. He was a horrible, 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 disgusting individual. Um, I have a guilty admission to make. This what? is true. So part of hoax that really struck, stuck with me is right after they talk about all the evils of communism and how many, like up to a hundred million dead. And that's a, and that's a, by the way, a hundred million is a pretty conservative estimate, conservative but, estimate but more than the Holocaust. And we don't learn about that absolutely. in school. And because we don't, you have people out there. I think it was Stefan Molyneux who made this point in the, in hoaxed was that um, people wear stuff like chase shirts and they think it's edgy and cool. And they wear the communist, they have the communist flag at protests. You would right. never see the Nazi stuff like celebrating wear like a that. Hitler so, shirt to a for, hipster party and see how that goes. Right, you would never see that celebrated and for good reason, but they celebrate right. the communist shit. And I um I used to work for I used to manage a comedian Margaret Cho and we um we put out a shirt. She did a whole uh concert film um called Cho and Oh, the, it was it, her image like the Che image, right? I remember that. I think the Che image we did shirts, we did, um, and the other day, like I think I told you I was going through old stuff and getting rid of it and I found on my old Howard Dean <laughs> t-shirts yes. and stuff, but I found my old Cho shirt that's like Che, and I, knowing what I know now, I was so ignorant back then, and knowing what I know now, it just made me feel really sick to my stomach that I wore this thing around that's like in a way paying homage to this murderer. Like, it just, it, yeah, he's, people he's don't everything know. that the social justice warriors claim to be yeah. against. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I so, have a lot of evil to make up for. You've said this before. You do. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I got a little bit. Um, <laughs> they, uh, there's a lot of use of imagery as well that the media does. So pay attention to what pictures they show you. They talk about this in hoax. They show you, um, that picture of the dead Syrian boy on the, on the beaches of the Mediterranean. Mm. Um, if with respect, it, with reference to the migrant crisis in, in Europe. Uh, so they talk about that on hoaxed. Um, but you can even see it with um, things like Trayvon Martin. Like I was talking to, uh, and, and Michael Brown. Michael Brown's a great example. I was talking uh, actually this morning to my daughter about Michael Brown, and and uh, like what images did the media show? Like, well, they showed like Michael Brown and his little graduation, his cap and gown stuff, and like that's the choice that they make rather than like the Michael Brown video footage of him stealing something or like you know and that's a whole separate story. We can get into the, the truth of what happened there. But the point is that images transmit a lot of information emotionally. And those are chosen. Uh, those are chosen intentionally. Well, I, I want to jump in here and uh, make a point about SJWs. They do have a good point that the media traditionally, I think in the, in the past, not now, but in the past, they used to do the opposite. They would, they would, I think, and maybe you're going to think I'm wrong, but I think they would more often than not, um, if it were, uh, if the perpetrator were black, they would um, try and, you know, paint them as more of like from a bad background or come up with all these reasons. I kind, kind of portray them as a thug or what have you. And um, yeah, that may be what, what, what that they do the opposite now and they, and doing the opposite doesn't, it doesn't correct it. It's now you're just doing the opposite. Like you're, you're still engaging in this, you're just uh, 
it's like when we talk about trying to fix racism with racism, you don't do that. You don't fix sexism with sexism. And right. so they just have a different tact now, but it doesn't make it better. Well, and we should, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I mean, I think what it signals is that they're actually not as ideological as you might think they are. They're out for something else. And so it's not that they have an ideology and they switched ideologies. Um, so they'll do whatever, they'll show whatever image um, meets their, is, is a, uh, as a means to the ends that they want. Um, but so, you know, they'll, a couple other things, they'll, they'll assume conclusions, right? Um, um, Petitio Percipi is the, the logical fallacy term, but, you know, they'll be like, well, if, um, they'll, they'll do things like say, well, if, <laughs> okay. you know, there's a conclusion that they assume. And if there's a fact or a point that's introduced that contradicts that conclusion, they'll be dismissed because it contradicts the conclusion, which is like, well, that's not how thinking works. Um, and, you know, there's lots of straw mans and ad hominem and ad populum, and you can look up all this stuff. Um, but I, I want to actually, so I'm going to tie this back to Yuri just for a second, partly because he's it's pretty awesome. Um, but um, as I said, you know, we think about propaganda as government control, but it's not. But he made some interesting points. So I was reading his World Thought Police book here, and... Um, you know, I I figured like, okay, if you're gonna, if you want to spread propaganda, you need to find the people that are ideologically aligned with you, and that's not true, which is fascinating to me. So he was told, um, he was told avoid true believers. Oh, right, and then he was told he said, um. They said, don't waste your time and money on true believers in communism, right? Um, and they said, aim higher at the upper middle class intellectuals and otherwise influential personalities. True believers make the worst enemies if and when they become disillusioned with communism or finally Hey, that's me. <laughs> right? Look, right? I was a true believer. <laughs> right. So he said what, his, what the KGB needed, I'm quoting, is a person who would be ready to compromise moral principles if he had any and for his personal short-term advantage. The most recruitable people are materialists and pragmatists. And he says, I've met scores of conceited snobbish intellectuals who suffered from self-importance and firmly believed that the public in their own country was too backward to understand their genius. Wow. So he talks about like, those are the people he goes after, right? And actually he also mentions, by the way, just, just uh, as a note, to, if there happened to be any um, ideologically aligned, like Marxists that ever watch this, he says, look, the smallest category of collaborations are those who are idealistically believe that communism is a better system. And he goes on to say that basically, if you're one of those people who is actually an ideologue and you actually believe them, when they get to the fourth stage of normalization, you get executed along oh, with all you, the other oppressors. Absolutely. You're you gone do. because they don't know the normalization phase. It's like Marxists killing the other Marxists. They don't want the radical Marxists that were trying to shake things up. You're dead. They want the new Marxists that are like uh, compliant and not going to make a stink. So yes. all these intellectuals who think like, oh, we're going to be running things when things change, like, no, you'll get, he says in, in one of his interviews, no, you'll get lined up and shot along with all the other dissenters. Um, that's so how for, it works. For people who've watched our other episodes, we've talked a lot about, Carter and I sometimes disagree about this, but um, 
I believe there are roughly two different types of SJWs. There are the um, uh, the bad actors, if you will, or the PC authoritarians. And then there are the tools, the useful tools, or the uh, PC egalitarians or PC liberals. Um, these people, I think, are horrible. Like they're in it. They don't care about ending oppression. They're they're they want to be the they ones. They know oppressing. what they're doing. They know yep. what they're doing. They know what the ideology is. They're using it as a means to an end for power. They want power. They want power for themselves. Th this is amazing. This quote you just read to me because that's what he's talking about. These people yes, who are willing to willing to compromise their values and they they'll put the ideology above principles and they'll put it above anything they actually stand for and above truth. But then you have these people who are useful tools. Um, and they're in it because they're real, they're PC egalitarians, they're liberals, they believe in the message. They've been brainwashed into believing that this is the way to be a good person. Well, but his actual point is, is actually those aren't like, he's saying actually those aren't the right people to go after. It's just exactly. the people who have like short, they want like the short term advantage of like, they just someone who's willing to be like, who is a pragmatist, right? right. Which, oh, which well. I think is important when we start to talk about the media. Uh, okay, so what they're doing now, but go ahead. Peterson talks about that. You just got really excited. He talks about this. He's like the PC authoritarians will eat the PC liberals. Like they are not your friends. And right. Brett Weinstein, Brett Weinstein talks about this in that uh, the video, how the magic trick is done. He's like, these two groups think they are the bad actors and the tools think they um, have the same end goals, but they don't only until a certain point. And then when they reach that point, these people are going to eat these people. <laughs> like yes. you're not, they are not your friends. And so this group, the PC liberals, the bat, the um, the useful tools, the ones with good intent, most of them, I think, those are the ones that we can reach. And look, that like this guy's saying, they don't even want those guys anyway. They're going to take them out eventually. They're useful idiots, not idiots. They're not idiots. They're useful tools. They're actually, they're really not idiots. They they have higher um, verbal cognitive ability than the PC. Yeah, he talked about them being like influential, like middle-class intellectuals and influential personalities. These are people who've had some success, right? They can't right. be dumb. They're much more articulate than the PC authoritarians. In fact, they're used by the PC authoritarians to be good mouthpieces and to try and make sense of the ideology. Um, the, the, it's not that they're dumb. They're they're smart. They're just they're, they've just been convinced that this is the way to be good. And they're it's almost like they're very high in openness, um, and so they're and the, and they're very high in compassion. And so that's being manipulated and used against them. But I think those people are the people we go after. The ones with bad intent. It's like. You're not going to be able to change their mind because right. they're just they're not even in this for the they're not, they're not even true believers. But but if you can reach these people and show these people what the SJW ideology really is, like those are the people you can pull out of it. Yeah, I'm, I got all I'm, my rant. No, no, it's good. Let's and and I, 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 I no, it's good. And I look, I first of all, I want to frame you and I talked about this. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, Carrie, but um for the purposes of this discussion, I think it's maybe clear to stop talking about the right and the left, or even saying liberal or left, because it's not clear what that means. Um, the distinction I want to draw is, is basically there's the kind of statists or authoritarians and the non-statists and non-authoritarians, right? People who want bigger and bigger government that's in control of your life and people who want to be left the fuck alone. Like those are the two ends of the spectrum. And it doesn't really matter whether you're on the left or right, that doesn't have as much meaning as where you are on that spectrum for the purposes of this uh, discussion and probably for other purposes too. So when we think about the media, I used to think it was, I used to think the question was like, well, is this ideologically driven by the media or is it like profit driven? And Cernovich in, in Hoaxed, the, the Hoaxed kind of makes this case for this is profit driven, right? 
And and Yuri actually kind of says this is kind of short-term profit-driven, right? This isn't it's not ideologically driven by a lot of these people. Um, so I started to think about like, okay, well, if if these people, if the media doesn't have to be ideologically aligned, what would have to be true for them to be doing these things? Like, okay, let's let's put the ideological alignment on the shelf. What if they're just pragmatists? What if they don't really care about this stuff? What would they have to care about to be behaving the way they are? Um, and or what what are the things that would would like have to be aligned? And and um, so I, I came up with a couple, Carrie, and I want to hear your thoughts here. But one is um, and then Yuri talks about this a lot. Uh, the audience basically needs to be asleep. Um, that the audience needs to be willing, right? If you don't have a willing audience, right? So if you think about the media. Their behavior is a reflection of the standards to which we hold them. If uh, you know, if we say we want unbiased truth, but we click on all the crap, crap and we share all the crap, then that's not what we want. We want sensationalism, right? Um, you know, often the truth is much more boring than the sensations, right? Look at the Covington story. The truth was kind of boring. Some <laughs> high school kids were waiting for a bus. Yes. And some old guy beat a drum in the kid's face. <laughs> How's that news? My friend said it's it should have boring. been called uh, three different groups express their First Amendment rights and nobody gets hurt and everybody goes home. That should have been the headline. Right. Who <laughs> the, the fuck board. cares? Right. So, <laughs> but if we want the sensationalism, then that's what they will give us. So part of it is, um, Part of it is it needs a culture that's open to this. And I think we, unfortunately, we have, they're just pragmatists in the media. How does the short-term profit motive affect what they're doing? Um, like, what is their short-term profit motive? And if you think about the large media companies, and this is true for any large company, large, and I don't know if everyone understands this, large companies have an incentive for large regulated government, right? If you are a large, so regulations hurt newcomers infinitely more than they hurt established, well-funded companies. That's just generally true because regulations cost money to comply with and um, startups don't have money, right? But NBC does. And as a percentage of your, and, and, huh. and actually the percentage of your revenue is much smaller that you have to devote to that if it's as a large company than a small company. Large companies love big, invasive government for two reasons. One is they like the regulation because it keeps competition down. And two is um, they can they want the stability of a government because they build relationships there. They build relationships with that government and they get access. And that helps, you know, boost their uh, their credibility, their the information they can share. Like it helps them out. And so, a regime change or change in the people in the government that's bad for them. More power to the people that they have relationships with that's good for them, right? You know, I've never really thought about this. I'm kind of ignorant in this way, so I'm really appreciating well, so, what you're talking about right now. Yeah, and so so this is why. So a lot of us, um, a lot of us might look. You know, I'm not on the right, and and Carrie's not either. But a lot of people that are on the right. Um, kind of look at the media and they say they're all leftists, they're all biased to the left. And that's kind of true because they are mostly Democrats and they do do a lot of left-leaning things, but it's not completely true. It doesn't tell the whole story. They're big government people, not leftists in the sense of left and right. And the proof you can see in this is their love of war. 
And I mean, we have a bunch of things queued up we could show, but I mean, the number of lies that the media is happy to propagate in order to get into wars is uh, is mind blowing. And they do it all the time. They did it to the first Iraq war. They did it with the second Iraq war. They do it constantly. They What do they complain about? Oh, Trump wants to withdraw from Syria. That's a problem, right? Any reduction in, in the military industrial complex, any uh, notion of not going to war is pushed back. Like it gets pushed back from the mainstream media. Why the hell is that? It's not, it doesn't make sense if you think of them as like, well, they're leftists, they shouldn't want to be, if you think about left in the, in the kind of traditional, you know, peacenik, which they're not, but that's a separate issue, right? It's, it, it's not the case. They are statists. Primarily, they want a large, powerful, controlling state that they are buddy buddies with that will prevent new media and competition from arising and threatening their position. And that just helps their bottom line. So the other thing that I think they want for their bottom line is um, when you think about the clickbait, they want maximum, there's a, there's a, there's a sweet spot of civil unrest. They don't want so much unrest that it unseats the, the power structure and there's real regime change. They don't want that. But if there's a lot of unrest that can be used to expand the power of their buddies in the government, um, that's better because unrest sells newspapers or videos or ads, right? Because unrest is exciting. Mm -hmm. Three groups getting together, expressing their free speech rights and going home is boring, right? But burning shit, throwing rocks through Starbucks windows, breaking ATM machines in protest, that's exciting news. So that like they want a, a certain level of 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 disarray um i think they, they would be don't happy want it to be too for, much yeah well i think they would be happy for us to go to war with each other it doesn't have to be a war with someone else like they they've been stoking oh, no, and they want this. it to be with each other too yeah absolutely yeah like they 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 sell this narrative of division and polarization and racism and sexism and everyone against everyone it's like they would be fine with <laughs> with America and entering some type of um, civil war. I do believe that. Uh, the part about well, what but, you said about not them if the pushing. civil war threatened, like, not if it threatened their stability as a corporation, right? Mm -hmm. So a real civil war that threatens to, like, you know, the NBC building gets blown up or they, or they lose, you know, dollars. They don't want that. Mm -hmm. But they want the, like, Frankly, if the people in the slums burn the slums down, they're happy with that. They love the rioting and all that crap. That's fine with them because they don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using slums intentionally as like yeah. a derogatory because that's how I think they view it. Yeah. Um, I remember when they sold us the Iraq war and it seemed to me then that the left was more awake and, uh, you know, we were out in the streets protesting all the time. And we knew Richard Clark was out there talking about how these yellow cake uranium things were lies. And, and then you're watching Colin Powell selling it and you're watching the media sell it as truth. And you're like, I don't understand how this is happening because in real time we're being told this information isn't true. And yet, and yet we went ahead and it was, it was justified. So um, now when I look at um, Trump in office, it, I kind of find a, it, I, I find it kind of interesting because if he like pulling out of Syria, then I suddenly see people on the left pushing back against that, which I'm like, wait a minute, 
I thought, oh, you're anti-war. <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Why? So That's why just, they're not the left anymore. It's, yeah. it's a lot of saying they're statists and they're non-statists. They just like they're authoritarians who want big government to do a bunch of stuff, including fight, or they're or they're like freedom-loving people who just want to be left alone. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, so well, interesting point about your. I like your point about how left and right is not very useful anymore. I after the election when I started trying to figure out why Trump won and I started expanding my um, echo chamber, trying to get out of my echo chamber a little. I, I, I started saying this to people. I realized suddenly left and right wasn't very useful to me, except when I talk to people for whom it is useful. And then I have to talk in those terms. But um, but, but, more, but even but then it's I good. It. You make this distinction between left and liberal. And I think that's important, Carrie. Well, yeah, I, I do make that distinction because I'm a liberal and I'm not going to let SJWs take that word from me. And I think part of the problem is that a lot of SJWs have been convinced that this ideology is liberalism and it is not liberalism. It is illiberal. So, um, yeah, I make that distinction. But but so after the election, I started seeing it not so much as what you're saying, the, the most important distinction being whether you want big government and authoritarianism or not. I was viewing it more as like, but in a similar way, I was like, oh, it's basically people who are working for peace and people who are working for war. That's the way I saw it. But I could easily see it this, this way as well. Like the people working for war, it is, it is the big government. It is the authoritarian part. And the people working for peace are the people who are against that small government or what have you. Um, it's just yeah, left it's and basically, right. Do you want, do you want a big authority that starts wars, tells you what to do, tells you what kind of healthcare you have to have, controls every aspect of your life and bombs other people? Or do you want a government that mostly leaves you the hell alone and like puts murderers in jail? Those are the kind of ends of the spectrum. That's why I think it's interesting right now. You see people who are anti-war progressives, like actual progressives, not SJWs, um, who are agreeing with people in the new right um, or agreeing with conservatives who are anti-war. And you're seeing these unlikely alliances forming because this distinction is more important than left and right, you know? I, I truly believe that. It's like I have a lot more in common with conservatives and centrists and libertarians than I do with these people who want authoritarianism and big government, SGW ideology, you know, what have you. Um, well, think about know. it, right? Because the, the classically what, what is was all the way on the left is like communism. Well, okay, well, that sucks. That's like a, a massively oppressive, like murdering authoritarian society. And on the right is Nazism. Like, how is a compromise between those two things good? Those <laughs> both seem pretty fucking horrible to me. That's not the conversation we should be having. Exactly. It's not Hitler or Stalin. That's not our choice. Exactly. Um, was it in the hoax documentary that – was it Don Lemon or somebody said uh, uh, they were criticizing Trump and they uh, – talking about the alt-left and they were like, Oh no, it, I think it was in the hoax documentary, but it was, uh, uh, it was a comedian. It might have been Stephen Colbert who said the opposite of – um, the alt-right is not the alt-left or the other, the mirror image. It's just not being a Nazi. And I'm like, no, dude, like it, it, there is an alt-left. There is, it is communist. It is Marxism. It is SJW, whatever you want to call it. They want to pretend like it doesn't even exist. That's why they don't cover Antifa violence. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you're reminding me, there's one other clip I want to play just for fun. Yeah. Um, there's that clip that we talked about. Okay. It sounds kind of hyperbolic to say like the media really views themselves as like they know they're doing this propaganda, but uh, oh. clip. this clip is in hoaxed, uh, but I found it in and uh, 
and, and have it here for you. Ready? He could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that if, is the that is our job. Look- control right. uh, exactly what people think and that is the that is our job control exactly what people think and that is the that is our job that is our job yeah so that's um that's the MSNBC morning joe right like i rewatched trump they're worried about him saying things like oh he might tell he you what to control what people think. That's our job. I was watching. I rewatched hoax last night, and I I got you know to get things I maybe missed the first time, and that was one of the things I missed the first time I rewound it. I was like, wait a minute, what did she say? <laughs> that is our job. Yeah, I missed it in hoax as well. I just happened yeah. to find it online, and I was like, what, what? the fuck? <laughs> they just tell you the truth. Yeah, listen closely. It's like that guy uh, the night of the election results. Um, I think he was on CNN. I forget who it was, but uh, the one who said uh, when it started to become apparent that Clinton might lose and he's like, how many more do we need? I mean, does she need, <laughs> you know, he just told you right away. We, I mean, yeah. Clinton, <laughs> I yeah. like this kind of unintentional. So, so, I mean, I think Carrie, we've made a case for, and you know, it, uh, other people can make more, uh, a longer case about this. We, we could go on for probably hours with examples of, of media bias and propaganda happening. Um, within the mainstream media. And and I've made a case at least for why I think it can happen without ideological alignment, just for like pragmatic reasons. And Yuri talks about pragmatic reasons being exploitable for ideologues. So so we made that case, but the, the question then, you know, some of the pushback that I sometimes get, I think from people on this topic is, I think it's emotional pushback because it's a pretty, it's a pretty devastating thing to say like, hey, remember 1984? We're kind of in it. Uh, that feels very crushing emotionally for people. And so they kind of don't want to hear that this is where we are. Um, but there is stuff you can do about it. We're not helpless. Carrie, what do you think? What can you do? Um, well, t- to that point about people feeling overwhelmed by it, 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 it kind of turns the whole, your whole, it, it could turn your whole world upside down. It could cause you to have a massive transformation in belief systems. And that is no easy thing. It's like changing the whole foundation of the way you viewed the world. Um, but uh, one stumbling block I see that people have is at the very beginning of this, you were saying something about how people tend to think of propaganda only as something the government does. Like they don't think of it in terms of what our media might be doing or social media, et cetera. And the same thing for censorship. They will often just talk about government censorship and um, they don't talk about like, like if you point out what's happening right now on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, and I'm, I'm getting pushed back on this today from people on the left, like, look, they are censoring people. They started with, I mean, they started before Alex Jones, but Alex Jones was a very big and easy target for them to kind of test their power and see what they could do, um, without the public making a big stink. And the public didn't make a big stink. And so, in fact, I saw liberals celebrating censorship and pushing it. But when you point that out, they're like, this isn't censorship because it's not being done by the government, like it's still censorship. It's it's a legal yeah, kind, mean, but yeah, it, that's the thing. It's like it, that should be legal to censor, but it is still, you but it still is still the word censor. It is still censorship. And then, so uh, back then with the Jones things, I'm like, they're just going to keep pushing the goalposts. Like, don't you see this? They're going to keep moving the goalposts. And so then 
yesterday or the day before it came out that um, YouTube is changing their algorithms now so they can bury people they define as conspiracy theorists. And who's on their list of conspiracy theorists? Jordan Peterson, not a conspiracy theorist. Ben Shapiro, not a conspiracy theorist. Um, Prager U, not a conspiracy theorist, but they're going to be right. burying these people. people that the mainstream media doesn't like because they're competition. Right. And so is there going to be a big public outcry? Probably not. So then what happens when they get to the point where burying these people and algorithms is not enough? They need to ban them like they did Jones across platforms. They're working. We want to talk about conspiracy. They are working in coordination with each other, which is kind of scary. You've yeah, that's Twitter. quite obvious. It's yeah. obvious they're working together and it's freaky, um, but uh, they're going to cross they're going to cross uh, platform ban these people. Will that be enough? No, because you're boiling the frog slowly. It's like you get people to accept one thing that's easy and then you get them to accept the next thing and then the next thing. And it's like soon, I mean, you and I are probably conspiracy theorists at this point. <laughs> like, let's take it. Yeah, I asked course. my friend today. I'm like, my friend, I'm like, what? He likes Sam Harris a lot and he likes me because we're friends. Uh, but I was like, what if they ban, what if they call me that? What if they call Sam Harris that? Then what? I haven't heard his answer yet, but. Um, well, so this actually, I want to, I want to, can I, can we talk about Alex Jones for just a second? I, okay. I'm not super familiar with him, but um, it's the thing that's most disturbing about the Alex Jones ban to me is that I don't hear people cite examples of things that he says that are even like, I hate that hate speech uh, idea anyway. I think hate speech is free speech. So the, put that aside. Let's pretend that hate speech is a real thing, and that like if you say nasty things about groups, then 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 you should be censored. Which I don't I don't believe, but let's say that's true. Um, they don't say here are things that he said about these groups that are horrible. Their justification for banning Alex Jones is that he's a conspiracy theorist, and I, I think everyone should be asking themselves this question: So what? <laughs> why is being a conspiracy theorist bad why does that get you banned so the fuck what so is oliver stone why does that matter and and so is the russia collusion theory <laughs> how is it how is being a conspiracy theorist something that needs to be banned from platforms i mean maybe it's entertaining to listen to conspiracy theories who the hell cares? You that is not an evil thing. Being a conspiracy theorist is not even immoral. You don't have to listen to him. By the way, I'm not that familiar with him either. Uh, I have started, like when I started expanding my echo chamber, what have you, I've watched a couple of things of his. Um, I find him very entertaining. And I like the fact that hoax was kind of pointing out that like Cernovich, Cernovich was saying, it's almost like pro wrestling. If they're going to put you in, they're going to call you this heal anyway just go ahead out there and sometimes you have to play that role um and and he's sort of like that he he's he can do serious commentary they forget that people can do both you can do serious commentary and you can also troll i think it's obvious when you're they trolling. don't forget it when it's john stewart or true or, you know one of those people but they forget it when it's someone they don't like yeah you can only have a sense you can only be joking if it's someone they do like um but but yeah so what if he's a conspiracy theorist and and i again i'm not that familiar with him but i have a friend who is um, this friend is a, a black Trump voter, uh, also Obama voter, um, knows a lot more about Jones than I do and has kind of educated me on a few things. But, but he was saying that Alex Jones used to be more of a conspiracy theorist, but in the past few years, he became a lot more mainstream, kind of conservative and pro-Trump. And that the reason they decided to take action against him now is because he's too effective in being 
um, that pro-Trump voice and and that he and, and this I I don't know this this is just his characterization is that he's like that conspiracy theory stuff was kind of in his past and it's only when he started to get more serious and more mainstream attention that they felt that he was a threat and they had to they had to shut him off. Um, well, that wouldn't surprise me, and I do know this about Alex Jones. Like he he was highly critical of uh, George Bush. Um, he was he was like not a he was not a fan of the Iraq War. He was highly critical of of uh, George Bush and the military industrial complex. I mean, those are the kind of things that um, you know you expect to hear from Noam Chomsky, and like th those are not uh, you know alt right type positions, but. That's where that's I think that's where a lot of his conspiracy theorist stuff. Uh, I think it was about that kind of thing. I don't know if he's like a 9-11 truther or one of those people, which, you know, I don't agree with either. But that's not the point. Um, he he wasn't like this weird alt-right guy, like massive conservative dude. He was, you know, just a guy who asked strange questions and and maybe had some strange theories, but challenged the Republicans and. And you're right. It wasn't until your friend is right. It wasn't until he was like, hey, I like this Trump guy. And he started being a little bit more mainstream that suddenly they were like, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. We got to shut him down. <laughs> yeah. Well, to answer your question, to get back to your question, what can people do? Because we went in this on a positive note. And if it is, it is overwhelming for people to think that if they haven't considered this before, that the media is lying to them. I know a lot of people on the left who can clearly see the bias of right-wing media, they, they, they're like, Fox is biased. I'm like, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's got a point of view for sure. So is CNN. They're like, no, no, it's not. I'm like, and that blows my mind. I'm like, you can't see that? Like, because you agree with it. But even though you agree with it, can't you see that it's a biased point of view? No. Um, but if they do start to wake up from it and they do start to see the ways in which it is biased, um, I would say like, well, for me, just I just started expanding the things I read and watched. Um, that's when I first started following people like Cernovich or because I wanted to know, I had been told what to think about certain people. I'd been told what to think about Stephen Crowder or Ben Shapiro, but I'd never really listened to them or read anything that they had written or watched a lecture or anything. So start following those people because if your beliefs are strong enough, you're not going to be threatened by, you can, you can listen to it and it's not going to, um, it's not, if your beliefs are strong enough, they will withstand you listening to or engaging with content that you don't agree with. And perhaps it will even strengthen your opinion. So watch Hoaxed and then talk to me about it. Don't just write it off and tell me why you're writing it off. Go watch it. I mean, if you really- If you're so afraid <laughs> to, to hear a contradictory opinion, then, uh, then you really should question how solid your beliefs actually are and how rational they are. Because if- uh, if you think someone like Mike Cernovich is a crazy, crazy conspiracy theorist who uh, is full of shit, uh, then you shouldn't be afraid to watch his documentary because you should be able to see through all of his, quote, shit. Uh, yeah. And if he's not, um, then you should watch it and educate yourself. So either way, you should watch it. And, um, you know, it's it's a cop out to say, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to watch it because. Uh, it's, it's this guy I don't like or whatever. I mean, that's the a genetic fallacy I talked about before. And I will say like, for me, um, I, I, I mean, I, I have a short list here that I put together. Like I read media matters, think progress, daily beast. Those are all left wing. I read left wing publications 
and I read Daily Caller and Bright B and I a Bright a Bright Bar and I follow Cernovich and and Bright B and Molyneux, Bright B whatever <laughs> that's a new one. I like um, it. But you know I I I I prefer to avoid the mainstream media because um, no matter what side you're on, the mainstream media is usually wrong. Um, so, but if you kind of make sure, if you analyze your sources and, and for any given thing, like let's say, uh, the Covington thing or whatever it is, if you're not aware of the reasons behind two opposing narratives, at least two opposing narratives, then you're not fully informed. Mm -mm. I know what both narratives are and I know the reasons behind them and I can make an informed choice. If you only know one narrative, you're not fully informed by definition. And you're so, being you're being puppeted. That's right. Um, and so, look. I, the other thing I would say, though, Carrie, is uh, it's not for everyone. Like this does require more work. And I would say, like, if you don't want to do the work, like it's easy to just put on CNN and or you know look at your Facebook feed from from your your leftist friends or whatever. If you don't want to do the work to actually look at both sides and see what the radical left and quote radical right is, if you don't want to see and and do the work yourself and make up your own mind because that's too much work, I'm not going to judge you for it, but you do have a moral obligation to shut the fuck up at that point because <laughs> you don't you don't know. And just admit like, that you don't know, you're busy with you your life know, doing other you're shit. You're busy. I Right, like I don't know. I this this Jussie Smollett thing I don't fucking know, which is why I'm not talking about it. I don't know. And I probably will read some more because I've heard a little bit and, and maybe I'll have an opinion in a, a few days. But um, prior to all this stuff, I just, I, I, if I'm not following it, I don't know. And if I'm only getting my information from Breitbart, I don't talk about it. If I'm only getting it from Think Progress, I don't talk about it. If I'm getting it from both and I'm hearing both narratives and the, and the supporting facts, quote facts or, or arguments behind them, then I can make up my mind and I feel like I'm informed enough. And that is work. So if you don't want to do the work, that's fine. No one's going to judge you. Just shut up. I wish that more people would open their minds to this, Carter, because when I started doing that, which was new for me in the past couple of years, just saying like, I don't have enough information yet to have an opinion. Oh my goodness. Imagine the concept. <laughs> just say I don't know yet, or even just qualify. Well, I've been told this, or like I said for my friend, I don't know about Alex Jones enough, but I know a friend told me this, and I trust this friend, so this is all I know is is the the perspective of this one person. But um, but people don't do that. It's like it's I've ideologues especially. They just they're very quick to parrot an opinion on everything. Um, at, because it's at their fingertips, because the echo chamber is telling them what to think and because the ideology dictates what to think. They're not actually thinking, they're just spitting it out. That's why it's hard to have conversations with them because they, um, it, it, it's hard to get them to explain their reasoning um, because it's not reasoning. It's just, they're just, what's the correct, what's the ideologically correct thing to say? What does my side say? What does my side believe about this? Boom, that's out of yeah, my Yeah, and actually, I think you should be aware, you should be really aware of that feeling of anxiety that you get mm -hmm. um, when you are starting to think about something and you there's like, you, you'll get a feeling of anxiety that that's based on the fact that you know there will be negative pushback from your social circles or somewhere for even the thoughts that you're formulating. Like, uh-oh, I'm starting to go, eh, I, can't, I can't go there because like, what if I said this on Facebook or what if someone knew about this? That is that's legitimate fear. You might be socially ostracized or, or criticized or called a Nazi or whatever. That That's true. You might be. Um, but 
if you can't overcome that fear, then you shouldn't bother engaging at all because yeah. that fear is a sign that something's wrong. That fear is a sign that you are being pushed to conclusions that you did not come to yourself rationally. And I have that fear. I'm sure Carrie has that fear. You got it. If you can't, like, you can move, you can act anyway, which, which I try to do. And I know Carrie does as well. But if you, if you want to let that fear stop you, then it should just completely stop you from interacting at all. Because, and I get it. Some people have jobs and like, they can't, they can't talk about this. They'll get fired. That's fine. So just don't talk about it. Don't right? repeat what that fear tries to do, at least with SJWs, is to get them to just repeat what is the correct thing to say in the ideology. So it's like, well, if you are, right. if you can't speak truthfully and try to arrive at truth, at least don't repeat the lies. Like at least don't repeat someone else's opinions. One of the clearest examples of this to me when I first started waking up to it was um, all the stuff I heard about uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. And so I read his book and I watched a couple of lectures and I was like, he's not, he is not a white supremacist. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, if you actually look, look into these claims, sometimes like, are you kidding me? But then when I would engage with people who called him that, I'm like, so tell me what lecture you watched so we can talk, we can get specific and talk about what did you watch that led you to this conclusion or what did you read or, and they've never watched or read anything. It's always what the opinion pieces have told them to think. How, how shameful is that, that you're running around speaking someone else's opinions you, you're a freaking puppet like you might yeah, still it, come it, to the same conclusions but at least go do the work you know yeah and and look if you don't uh if you don't want to push back um and you don't feel comfortable um retweeting or propagating a narrative that you don't actually uh believe or you're not sure about you can always ask questions that's kind of an innocent thing to do be like oh like, can you point me to sources? This is interesting. I mean, I'm curious about this, right? Um, you can always like ask more questions. Sometimes asking more questions, if you keep going too much and you're too persistent, that'll get you, they'll, they'll be pissed off. But you can, you know, ask a couple at the beginning. Um, and yeah, some crazy social justice warriors will be like, fuck you for asking questions. I don't have enough spoons they'll, to deal they'll with They'll call you, you a That's sea fine. lion. <laughs> That's fine, right? So just stop at that point if you don't want to make a fuss. Um, but, you know, other people will see that actually. And that is helpful because other people look at that and they think, all this person did was ask a question and this crazy person responded irrationally to them. <laughs> that actually does help the cause. Um, yeah. So uh, really quickly, uh, Laura in chat is asking about um, what we think about media bias charts. I'm not sure exactly, Laura, what you're talking about. She says the ones that are published online. I, I assume that you just mean the fact that like most journalists are Democrats and uh, leftists. Like, yes, that is absolutely true. Um, but uh you know, I think that's, um, you can just look at who they donated to in the election. Yeah. You can look at that. Yeah. I mean, frankly, they, you know, they, they go through marks, they go through, if you go through a humanities department, uh, anywhere you're, you're mostly exposed to Marxist professors and stuff. Um, that, I mean, that, that's true. Um, I think, uh, the thing is that's also aligned with, I don't think they're, um, I think they're Democrats, and I think maybe some of them are explicit Marxists, but uh, I think probably to a large extent, they're Marxists in more of a fashionable sense because it aligns with a lot of their other goals. Like, um, how do I want to say this? They're Marxists, but if 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 the Marxist ideology, if pushing Marxist ideology hurt profits and clicks, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it <laughs> at work, right? So it happens to align very nicely because. Um, 
in this phase of, of demoralization or destabilization, um, all this, uh, all this strife and conflict that is, um, necessary for, uh, for pushing kind of that Marxist ideology and for pushing, um, destruction. Again, this is not about, uh, actually building a system. It's about destroying the current system. Um, that all aligns well with getting clicks and, and, um, and that kind of stuff. But you'll notice even if they are leftists and even if maybe they think that they're anti-war, that's why I pointed out, like, they don't do anti-war things, right? So I think when it comes down to it, it's really just big government stuff that they're pushing. And I think maybe there's some ideology there. I'm not, I'm not, uh, knocking that. Absolutely. There's, there's a, there's a bias, um, ideologically, but um, it also is aligned with all these other things. And so my point isn't that there isn't a bias. It's that the bias isn't even necessary for them to pragmatically be behaving the way they are if they are not um, principled and, and actually actively not Marxist, right? If you're just kind of a pragmatist, you'll get led in that direction anyway. And on top of that, they, they I would agree, are ideologically biased. I hope yeah. that, and I hope that's what, uh, you were talking about Laura. Well, I just looked at her follow-up comments. She said they're using these things as teaching aids, and it goes along with referencing a source and then being dismissed because of where it was published. If if what oh, she means oh. if what she means is that teachers are teaching their students to this is like critical theory, right? Or they're, they're teaching, teaching the student, genetic fallacy as like a yeah. way to actually think. They're saying that genetic fallacy. They're teaching students genetic fallacy, but they're disguising it as uh, critical thinking, and it's not critical thinking. It's like telling you, hey, don't, hey, kids, don't trust these sources. Like, don't listen to the anybody anybody on this list or what have you. Yeah, it's like saying if you really want to get in shape, here are the flavors of Ben and Jerry you need to eat. It's like that's not really how to get in shape. <laughs> um, it's 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 like, uh, oh, by the way, the other day, um, the other day, I uh, I misquote. I thought I had the Ayn Rand quote correct, but it's relevant again now because I love this quote. It's uh, in any compromise between food and poison, only death can win. Um, and so I don't know what made me think about that. I guess, I guess this thing did, but like, you know, you're, they're corrupting the thought process. And, you know, if you, if you, I would encourage people to go watch, what's his name again? His full name, Yuri, da, 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 what's his last name? Just look up Yuri KGB. Yuri Bezmenov. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I would encourage people to go, you know, go look up Yuri, um, and, and, and look at some of the techniques. He's not everything he says, uh, in terms of solutions makes sense, but I mean, how they do things is is quite important. And they have actively, um, we are in a, you know, we, we've been through the demoralization phase and we have actively destroyed people's ability to think. And what Carrie's talking about, um, and actually what, what Laura is talking about, teaching the genetic fallacy as a critical thinking tool is, there's no other explanation than that is destroying thought. That's exactly what it's doing. It's saying, take this poison, to to because it's healthy. That's what you're saying. Um, because in terms of critical thought and and logical thinking, the genetic fallacy is poison, and yet it's being pushed as as food. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, I'd like to end on a quote as well. <laughs> I thought of this earlier about the fake hate crimes. This is one of my favorite quotes, or it has become one of my favorite quotes in the past year. Um, and I because I think it speaks to uh, wanting to believe the worst about others and about our so-called enemies and maybe people that you've been told are horrible. And so um, anyway, it's a C.S. Lewis quote and it's um, suppose one reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper 
Then suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out. Is one's first feeling, thank God, even they aren't quite so bad as that? Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking that your enemies are as bad as possible? And then it goes on, but it's like, it's a great quote because he says, you know, if it's if uh, if it is the second, then it is, I am afraid the first step in a process, which if followed to the end will make us all into devils because you see one is wishing to one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. And if we give that wish its head later on, we shall wish to see gray as black and then to see white itself as black. And finally, we shall insist on seeing everything God and our friends and ourselves included as bad and not be able to stop doing it. And we shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. That gives wow. me chills. That gives me chills. But that's what that's what it's like. Uh, you want to believe the worst and you're not willing to do the research to see if it's true or not. And it also, it's like the Covington thing. It's like you want to, the, the people who doubled down after the context was revealed, it's like they want to believe the worst about those kids. They want to believe that white men in MAGA hats are white supremacists in the face of racism, what have you. And um, they, they're not willing to reevaluate. It's like they're heading towards the universe of pure hatred. So don't, don't be that person. Yeah, no, that's a, a that's a great advice. I mean, and you know, root out those emotional biases um, and be introspective about it. Um, I will point out, uh, you know, some practical things you can do. You can do things like, look, you pay for Netflix probably, and you buy movies from Amazon. Support some of these people. Support Cernovich. Support Project Veritas or people who are just going after the truth, right? Um, you know, throw some attention and and dollars to those people who are providing the alternate uh, narratives and who are doing the the kind of hard work for you. Um, also, I just noticed something. Give us? Did you even say give us money? <laughs> Actually, for us, I just want to. I want people to share. I, we just, just share need to it. Grow, right? Just share um, us, please. Thank you. Eventually, we'll figure out a way to monetize, but there's no point in trying to do that when we have very few people listening. True. Um, but uh, you know. I, in prep for this show, I searched for the phrase examples of fake news. And I happened to do something uh, unintentionally. I searched in Google and I searched in DuckDuckGo. And let I suggest you go do that. Look for the phrase examples of fake news in Google and look for the phrase in DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo is a competing search engine. Um, the contrast between what shows up on the first pages of search from those two is stark. It is, the Google one is all, you know, pro mainstream media, fake news is the Alex Jones type stuff, blah, blah, blah. And the DuckDuckGo is like 10 fake CNN stories, but it's all, it's, it's night and day. It's, 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 really quite interesting to me. That's true on almost any topic. That's something people can do. Get rid of Google, like use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo doesn't uh, use algorithms to manipulate what you're finding. They're just giving you the most popular results. They're giving you what they should be giving you. They're not They're not saying, hey, we're going to put this result higher because it falls in line with our ideology. Get rid of Google. And uh, I know we're using YouTube right now, uh, but do, small steps, right? Stop using Google, the search engine, use DuckDuckGo. Um, the other thing they do is they don't track you. They don't track your information. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, if we could get off of YouTube and 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 build this audience, we would. And maybe eventually we'll have to. But, um, you know, we, we are uh, I do use DuckDuckGo and I do try and stay off of Google stuff when I can. Um, I, I guess 
I get the one last thing I kind of want to say here, Carrie. I don't know if you have any other closing notes, but one thing I want to say, and we do have to wrap it up here. Um, this is at at fundamentally, this is an ideological war. Um, this is not like there's lots of um, band aids. You think of this as an ideological cancer, right? Uh, there are um, there's lots of ways to alleviate the symptoms. There's you know uh, political you know, there's laws you can think of or or whatever. There's like political quote solutions, but those are just alleviating the kind of symptoms. The only real way to inoculate ourselves from this, it's not like boycotting this company or using DuckDuckGo, which you should, or supporting these people or whatever. Be like fundamentally, the only way to actually cure this is to protect our, and I'm using our in a very broad sense, but prote protect kind of Western culture and the philosophy and culture behind individualism, right? Uh, limited government, like um, critical thinking, lo like support, defend logic, right? And critical, actual critical thinking. Um, we really need to defend our culture because, um, you know, as, as Yuri talked about, the only way you're actually immune to this stuff, the only way a country's actually immune is if the culture is immune because, because attempts to do this attempts at propaganda and pushing leftist and Marxist and evil ideology are rejected by the people organically. That's the only way. And right now we are at a stage where the demoralization, as Yuri said, the demoralization has been complete for quite some time. We need to turn that around by, um, I would say a rededication of ourselves to, uh, enlightenment values i'll say mm -hmm. as a culture so that the next generation is immune from uh you know the crap of cnn or whoever else um the the social justice warriors yeah anything to add carrie i think that's a brilliant ending um and if you want to get a good pep uh not a pep talk but a good uh spirited feeling a positive, uplifting feeling. Uh, go listen to the song that's at the end of Hoaxed by a band I had not heard of. I think they're called Red Yellow Sparks. And the song is, uh, it's Hoaxed. It's Hoaxed something. The Great Media Hoax. It's called The Great Media Hoax. It's on YouTube and you can download the song, but it's uh, that'll it'll put a little pep in your step when dealing with media <laughs> manipulation, <laughs> when considering these wet, weighty topics. It is a really good song. I've been listening to it a lot. All right, cool. We'll go do that. Hopefully, we'll talk about hooks again uh, sometime in the future. But uh, in the meantime, um, you know, thanks, thanks everyone for watching. You can go to uh, unsafespace.co. There's no M because M stands for Marxism. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at unsafespaceco. Uh, you can go to uh, Facebook. We've got a Facebook page for BD programmed in Unsafe Space. We're on YouTube at Unsafe Space and uh, your favorite podcast app. All these things get made into audio only podcasts so you can find us by searching for unsafe space thank you again please like share help us grow you've been doing an awesome job i really want to thank everyone you've been tweeting and pushing and we're getting more and more uh um i'll say uh well-known guests interested in coming on the show and that's because you guys have been helping us grow so uh please continue that i, I we're really really appreciative of that so thanks everyone and have a good day <laughs>